There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer, joining you from post-production as we continue with our second part of our discussion on international prospects with uh, Ignacio Risotto of the Stepian at Airball on Twitter, which is E-Y-R-E-B-A-L-L. And like last week's episode, we decided to split this one into two parts for for time constraints. So this is going to be the second part of that discussion of the episode we released on Monday. So we hope you enjoy. I'd like to take a second to shout out the network that helps distribute our show, Armchair Media. Armchair is a collection of 50 plus podcasts, including ours, trying to localize the sports world a little bit more. We've we've been with them since March and have enjoyed growing our audience with theirs. Starting June 1st, Bet Online will serve as a title sponsor for Armchair as well as our show. This will open up the possibility to develop merchandise lines as well as potentially host live events once we re- once we return to a semblance of normalcy. In addition to Bet Online coming aboard, Armchair will now serve as the host network for the world's lar- largest skateboarding podcast, The Nine Club. Hosted by professional skaters Chris Roberts and Kelly Hart, The Nine Club talks every week with the biggest names in skating. They're on social media at The Nine Club. To see more, search Armchair Media wherever you get your pods. Also, check us out on Armchair's website, armchairmedianetwork.com, and their socials at Armchair Media. Armchair Media, those who can do, those who don't can't. Take a seat. Um. Yeah. Should we move on to uh, Giorgio's Kalitsakis then? Uh, yeah, you can talk about him. I, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, along the lines of a complimentary wing, I really like Kalitsakis. Uh, have talked about him before. Just a guy who's a pretty impressive slasher, has good size, uh, you know, competent ball handler, fairly intelligent passer. Um, the shot is is the thing that will have to be straightened out for sure. But uh, once that happens, I think the overall wing package is is really nice because uh, he also, in in my viewing, is definitely a strong team defender. Um, so just a guy at six eight who who really has, I think, pretty much everything you're looking for out of a um, a complimentary wing. Uh, and I think that that down the road at some point we'll see him in the NBA uh, and is is a very attractive uh, stash option. Yeah, to me, Kalaitzagis is. The, the thing I, I really like about him, not as a prospect, as a, just a basketball watcher, the thing I like about him is that he plays with a lot of energy and he plays like 110% all of the time. And that has you know ramifications to his game, which are both positive and negative. So like he plays with a lot of energy on defense. He doesn't give up on plays. He comes back in transition. I, I remember when he played at the under-20 um, European Championships. 
he had like one chase down block per game, <laughs> which was kind of <laughs> kind of impressive because those those uh, plays can be huge swings both in momentum and in the scoreboard. Um, but I, he puts a lot of effort in in what he does and in, on offense when he plays more of a secondary role here, which will be closer to his. NBA role if he reaches that level uh, for his uh, domestic team. But for when he played for the Greek junior team, he was the main guy there and he took it seriously. Like he was like, um, at least what I, what I saw from him was taking seriously that go-to guy role and just, you know, shoulder that load just going out there realizing that you know looking for a shot when you're the best player on the team and the best scorer on the team is not being selfish um which happens the contrary happens to other prospects we'll discuss later um and and i do really like that energy and that approach to, to the game uh the negative ramifications of that is that he plays too sped up at times on defense he kind of tends to gamble a lot in the passing lanes and can be off position. And on offense, he has improved this year, but he's prone to turnovers and also prone to a really specific type of turnovers, which is getting called for charges and offensive fouls. Uh, I, I was watching the, the under-20 tournament, and uh, I realized that the best way to defend Kalaitakis is just standing in front of him <laughs> he will try to run you over and those are things that he needs to develop mentally in that sense and try to play a bit more in control uh even though that will take a bit of his fiery uh competitor type but uh he needs to play a bit more in control and that will be key for him for any professional level he 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 ends up reaching, uh, because in the NBA or with a veteran coach in Europe, you make two mistakes and you get benched. So that that's going to be the key for him. And also what Max mentioned, the shooting, the shooting really really needs to come around for him. He showed some versatility, some interesting touch of movement, but I do think the shooting mechanics need a lot of work, especially the shooting arm, the elbow, the shooting elbow kind of flies out. So that uh, affects a bit of his same and his arc on the shot. So that that really needs to 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 come around at some point. All right. So I think we should move on to our next guy. Yeah. I don't yeah, have anything yeah. else. Yeah. All right. So our next guy is uh, Rokas uh, Jokubaitis, um, who is a Lithuanian point guard. Uh, can't think of where he played this year. One of you can help me. Um, Shout out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, basically, like six foot four, really, really impressive passer at his size. Um, someone who is someone who like like is really great in pick and roll. Like he, he manipulates with his eyes. Um, he gets into the lane and he makes lay down passes. Uh, he he can make skip passes and he's like really strong too. Like he's a crafty driver. His though he's not super bursty. His like his second steps and his off arm uses and his strength make him a pretty solid finisher. Um, and then like and then his shooting results have been really good. 
like like his shooting numbers have been really great um, throughout his career. But the big thing with him is that he's just really passive as a creator. He's not a guy who who like goes out of his way to create his own shot. Yeah, and I saw I think our our friend our friend PD who who, who was on the last episode tweeted out um, something that um, Mike Forkinoff said on the Wasman Pod about Frank Nilakina, which was that he had to learn that self creation isn't necessarily selfish, and I think that's something that that's maybe a trap. I, I thought it was interesting that applied that that that, that he applied to Rokas that, that I think is really true. That I mean, he's in that ment- he's such a talented passer. I think he can get stuck in that mentality. Where, where I think he maybe has some more creation potential than he shows than he, than he often shows. And then defensively, I mean, he's pretty strong at, at six foot four. He's a solid event creator. He's smart in his rotations. So yeah, I, I mean, a guy who like because of his lack of real 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 high end creation and burst and maybe that pull up shooting is is probably not ever more than like a backup point guard or like a solid combo guard which is why i he's like i've talked about before a guy i wish i could rank higher than i will just because of just because of how much positional mat positional value really does matter with these guys but yeah rokas is is a really talented prospect and someone who is super fun to watch so. yeah about the conversation with bd uh we were actually i was actually the one talking about him on twitter about rokas oh, <laughs> and uh, and this is something that i've been thinking about like probably the last month and I've been talking to other people uh, through Twitter about it, which is how much, how limited are self-creator or how limited self-creation at times is in certain developmental, um, I don't want to say in the entire Europe, but I do think that prospects get uh, beaten into them from a young age that they need to play quote unquote the right way And to play the right way at times is seen as not looking for your own shot and defer to teammates and looking to pass first. And then if you can pass, then make a play for you. But that's selfishly unselfish. Like one prospect who didn't declare this year, but who drove me nuts with it was Carlos Alisson from Spain. Mm. So Alisson, what he would do, I I would say, I don't want to, exaggerate but three times a, a game at least he had a, a slightly contested layup coming into the lane and he would make a kick out pass even though his teammate was covered so the that, rondo influence yeah so <laughs> that okay great you can make a pass me there wow really great hang time it doesn't mean shit it doesn't mean <laughs> shit because you changed a difficult, a quote-unquote kind of difficult shot for a worse shot, which makes you reset the offense, which makes either your teammate takes that shot and generally misses, or you have to reset the offense with, what, six seconds on the clock, which also leads to a bad shot. So passing and being unselfish is not, at times, they don't go hand in hand. So uh, you need to know when to pass too. So, and that's something that I do think Jokobaitis has shown some scoring ability, especially for the Lithuanian junior teams. I do think he's too maybe over-controlled when he plays for uh, Shalgiri, but um, he is also unselfish to, to a fault 
at, at times. And he's limited as a self-creator, not only uh, in the sense that he looks to pass first and then the first two teammates, but also I don't think he's developed enough as a pull-up shooter. Like the numbers as a shooter this year have been really good, but he's not really someone who takes a lot of pull-ups, like creating separation or he he can punish you if you go under the screen and he can, you know, also if you go under the screen, he can get to the mid-range and, you know, stop on a dime and make a shot over smaller defenders. But he's not someone who's going to do an isolation of the dribble three. Uh, and that limits, I think, his ability to be a primary creator at the NBA level. Compared to other positions and archetypes, I don't think I worry about it as much with like a backup point guard type. But how much do you worry about him being sort of a jack of all trades and a master of, of none? Well, that's a great question. But I think I think he can master the passing. Like, okay. I do think he can. I do think he's one of the best passers, at least in that uh, 2000s generation. He he's born in 2000s. I think he's still 19 years old. He was born in November, um, so I think the passing is his calling card. But is his passing? And we go back to what we talk about Maledon, um about his passing not being as functional at the NBA level. If he doesn't have that scoring gravity to him, uh, team uh, teams are just going to play the pass. Team teams uh, defenders are just going to say, "Okay, you know what? Go ahead, try to score. You're going to try to pass. We know you're going to try to pass." So that's when he becomes, like you said, um, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. If the lack of scoring gravity to him makes uh, his passing a bit less uh, effective at an NBA setting. Now, for a, should we move on now to a guard who has a very different, I think... Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, yes, yeah, strong strong suit, um, which would be Artus Kuroks, who is a really lethal shooter uh, off the dribble, off the move, off the catch. Um but just the, the question is whether he's a point guard or whether he's more of an undersized two, a combo. Um, so what do you make of, of Arturs Karuks? Do you think he's he's more of a, a lead guard or do you think that he's he's more of that uh, combo variety? You know, uh, statistically-wise, he was worse, really worse, and I mean really, uh, really worse when he's not... Uh, next to a point guard. So uh, what I mean by that is when he, this year he played for uh, BEF Riga back in Latvia uh, where he was born. Um, and he generally for Latvian junior teams, he played with Artur Sagars, which is another uh, Latvian point guard. He's more of a traditional point guard than, than Kuruks. Uh, and both in both of those cases, uh, he was able to maintain a positive assist-to-turnover ratio. He was able to um, show some versatility in terms of creation, um, show ability to run pick-and-rolls, uh, 
make passes on the move, make um, driving kicks. Not exactly a live dribble passer. Uh, he was always someone who's at best when he has a backup plan, but he is quick to make those passes as soon as he pick up, picks up this dribble. So the versatility as a passer is there. But when he's um, the main creator, which he was for Basconia junior teams and for some Latvian teams where Arthur Sagars was injured, I think it was the under-19 World Cup of, of last year, He's, mm -hmm. he just racks up turnover after turnover. And I just think that he needs that creator next to him to because I don't know. I, I think, let me put it this way. I think he can create occasionally, but I don't know if he can shoulder the load of, 30 minutes of being a primary creator. I I do think his offensive repertoire and his passing is can be a bit um, how should I say this? Um, you know, a bit repetitive and opponents can pick up in that repetitiveness and pick his passes uh, and that's when the turnovers come. So I think he needs that uh primary creator next to him to be the best version of himself yeah and i'll say for someone who is as good of a shooter as as he is in all facets of shooting really i think that that definitely makes it easier for his passing to shine where defenses are going to have to commit a lot of attention to his off-ball shooting or even some on-ball shooting at times and then the passing window is open but yeah i certainly agree with you ignacio um and that tournament without zagars was definitely telling that I don't think he is a primary guy, but he certainly has like a really interesting collection of skills at his size with, with shooting, like we said, being the big one. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, definitely like a serious prospect. I mean, yeah, I mean, being able to self-create and have that scoring mentality and be uh, just effective at, at shooting. He, I don't remember a, Maybe I'm misremembering, but I don't remember a single tournament where he shot under 40%. And this year, he's on 40% uh, from three on seven attempts per 36 minutes, which is a ton. Um, his three-point attempt ra uh, rate is uh, 54%. So three-point shooting is a, a big part of his game. And also, like we've been saying, the versatility on the shot. Uh, the ability to create space uh, for himself, the ability to be assisted by screens and uh, punish the defense as soon as he sees an opening, the ability to get to the mid-range, stop on a dime, and elevate over uh, defenders. And that versatility as a shooter is something that it's always valuable. Um, with Kuroks, the question will always be, what else? Like, what else does he bring? Is his occasional passing good enough to consider him at least as a secondary initiator. Is his strength, which maybe is the only um, positive uh, physical trait, I would say, is his strength enough to make him a passable defender or is he going to be undersized and um, against bigger uh, twos because He's not necessarily a two, but he might be facing some twos at the NBA level. So that's that's the key for Kuroks. What else can he add to 
to his game uh, beyond the shooting to be an NBA player. So, I mean, on the on the topic of guards, how do you think um, Yam Madar fits into this whole equation uh, as a potential, I mean, one would think backup point guard at some point in the NBA? I mean, I really love Yam Madar. I think he's one of, probably one of the underrated, uh, that word is probably overused, but <laughs> I think he's one of the underrated players in, in this draft. Um Quick recap from Madar, six foot two, um, just dynamic scorer, someone who's able to um, really, uh, let me put it this way. He played for Israel Israel under 20 team next to Denny Abdiyah. And uh, when Israel needed a, a basket, they went to Abdiyah. But when Abdiyah went cold, they went to Madar. And Madar was even better at creating points than Abdiya was. Um, so I really love his dynamic scoring ability. I really love his ability also to pass the ball. I feel like he's more of a volume passer in terms of like he's going to have a ton of assists, but also he's going to have a ton of turnovers. Uh, but when he's on the move and he's really quick, uh, when he's on the move, not only the quickness in his first step, but the quickness mid-drive is really impressive. And when he attracts defenders, he's going to be able to see the open man and make a pass at times for, from the live dribble. He's not someone who really picks up his dribble a ton in traffic like other prospects we, we mentioned previously. So I really feel he's underrated. But again, and this is what concerns me about him, it was if I'm if I have to go from that under twenty tournament, which was back in uh, July twenty nineteen, I gotta take him. I don't want to say first round, but early second round. But then again, it wasn't. He never. I I don't think he ever reached that level of play, uh, either for from uh, either on previous Israeli. Uh, junior teams or for his uh, domestic team in Hapoel Tel Aviv and that you know he wasn't able to the the film looks great for Madar still looks great still looks like a dy dynamic scorer but you know the th he he wasn't able to repli replicate statistically the efficiency he had at that tournament in any other tournament or season so that kind of concerns me um that kind of no, that definitely concerns me because which madar is the real one is the flashes we've seen at the under 20 tournament or is everything else we we've seen from him yeah i mean i worry that 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 was just a ridiculous stretch of hot shooting at at the U20s last summer. Because like you said, with Hapua Tel Aviv, um, it just wasn't as great. I mean, I mean, across all leagues, last year he shot under 30% from three. I mean, it, I mean, he just wasn't the same player um, at that level of competition. But yeah, I, I mean, I do think, I kind of hope he, I, I just want to see more of him to see really where his consistency and if he can improve more statistically. So, 
He just feels to me like someone who needs to be reined in. Like he, like you said, Ignacio, he is like very much a volume passer. He, like he makes lots of uh, inaccurate passes. Um, I think defensively, his aggressiveness is is a, is a definite positive, and it helps with like fighting against post mismatches. For example, he's like I'd say outlier good there, but he's also over aggressive defending at the point of attack and gets himself into into dangerous spots. Um, and just like can overturn his hips and stuff like that. Just, I, I feel like there are a lot of positive aspects to him that still need to be refined, uh, before he could be, you know, a reliable NBA backup point guard. Yeah. All right, so I think we're, sorry. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I do think I want to clarify something and that's, I, he still looks really good on tape, like from, playing for Hapoel Tel Aviv. That dynamic scoring ability uh, still looks uh, still looks just the same as it was on on that under-20 tournament. He will wow you once or twice a game with tough shots, but maybe even though he looks good on film, uh, he might not be able to su sustain that for more than... 10 games uh which is he played they, they play seven games for each FIBA tournament so what does that mean not only for his uh domestic league competitions but also for an 82 game nba season uh is he going to be a hot shooter uh in november and december or is he going to be able to hold up to to that entire season but yeah i definitely need to watch more from a dart but i would uh understand if a team watched the under 20 tournament and said let's draft this guy and stash him because uh if he ends up showing what he showed in that tournament again next season you're not gonna find madar in the second round you're gonna find him early second round maybe late first round yeah, I will say I do think that for the backup point guard position specifically, that sort of I mean I don't want to call him erratic, but but just the variability is probably not something that's desirable. Like that was something that worried me with like Tremont Waters last year. That like a lot of his especially defensive impact is reliant upon him taking like pretty crazy risks that you're probably not going to want a backup point guard taking all the time. Like I feel like that's that's a position where you want someone who's steady and um and reliable um so i i i just i i have some added concerns with just his role protection um being as, as a backup point guard given that he he is like a little bit um variable yeah that's fair um i would say that he might be the opposite to that archetype of point guard we've been uh talking about through the podcast, he might be the opposite of that, you know, really point guard who plays in control and doesn't take bad shots and is uh, selfishly unselfish. Like I said, uh, Madar is the opposite. He doesn't have a problem uh, taking shots for himself, which is good when it works, but when it doesn't work, is is like you say, Max. Is um, can he? It it brings up questions like, can he be that? point guards so yeah um should we move on to borisa simonich yep 
Yeah. So, I mean, we've already talked about him uh, in this episode, so uh, we'll just go over this quickly. But arguably the best or one of the best big man shooters in the class, but uh, wildly passive, not a mobile guy. Like when he's when he can stay in the paint around the rim, I think he's pretty good protecting the rim. But it's it's when he leaves the paint that things get ugly. Um, nonetheless, I mean, the three and rim protection archetype is is very valuable. Um, and I mean, if you can figure out his mentality, uh, he's he's, you know, a potentially very valuable commodity. But I think mentality is is a thing that is that's hard to uh, to straighten out. Yeah, and I'll quickly echo the shooting goodness. I mean, I mean, at least at least on real GM, every year of his career, aside from one, he's above. He's at thirty eight percent or three thirty eight percent from three or above, which is just ridiculous consistency um, for a guy his size. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think basically echoing everything Max said. I don't. He's got some really special shooting outside if he can rein in that that crippling passivity. So yeah, I love the mechanics with him, like you said. Um, I stopped buying into Simonich maybe three or four years ago. A lot of people thought Simonich talked about Simonich in a similar fashion as we talk about Alexei Pokusevsky right now, but with way less first-round hype. And I think I stopped, and a lot of people have stopped buying into that uh, on-ball potential and just... If you buy into him being a stretch five who can be uh, at least a neutral rim protector, then yeah, you there's definitely value in that at least in the second round. Yeah. Our last guy in Polybua. Yep. yep. Yeah. So Polybua is um, plays for Pissarro in the Syria. He is a six foot seven wing, really really toolsy. Um. That's kind of, and like, can really jump as athletic, kind of where the good ends. He might be the worst defender in this draft class. He is objectively terrible. Um, I like, like he has absolutely no clue what he's doing on the defensive end. And he, like, he has some moments where like he makes some plays because he is really toolsy. Like he's quick in the short area. He's long. He's pretty explosive. But in terms of like, communicating as a team defender and just being aware of uh, of what's around him. I mean, I can't think of uh, like the last time I've seen a prospect who gets cut, like back cut as much as he does, or honestly, like players will just cut right in front of him and he won't see it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he blew up, like, and again, offensively, like he's six foot seven and skinny, but he's kind of a big, I mean, he, I mean, his jumper has never been super productive and he can't really dribble or pass. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, not someone who's like a really real prospect to me, but someone who has like an inexplicable amount of hype. I think he's in the top 60 on ESPN's best available, which is kind of insane considering what he actually is besides just like a bag of tools. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, Ibuwa, like the guy who's difficult for me to take seriously. I don't think it's hard to understand why he's thought of highly by ESPN. I mean, he is very impressive physically like he he is well built he is very physically overwhelming in the italian league um but i mean he is he's another of the like precious achua uh school but not precious achua's size um and so he is like very much like a six eight big man i mean like 20 percent of his offense was putbacks and 12 percent was cuts 11 percent pick and roll roll man like he he very much plays like a big man um and yeah, I'm just like not not a high feel player, uh, and at least for me, I just don't 
I don't see why people keep chasing these uh, like six, seven energy big men because it doesn't seem like any of them ever actually get any minutes in the NBA. Yeah, I I don't want to rag on Ebua too much. uh, But yeah, I I don't think he's an NBA prospect. I never thought he was an NBA prospect. And he might uh, thrive in the NBA, and I will still not think he's an NBA prospect. (laughs) Uh, No, but uh, being being honest, um, my um, thing with Ebua and a lot of my conversations with people about Ebua start with me asking them, why do you think he's an NBA prospect? And people mentioned the tools first, yeah, which I do see them six foot seven. I think he has like a seven foot one, seven foot two wings. Yeah, he's long. So he's long. He's kind of explosive. Kind of, no, he's explosive for his size. He can finish above the rim, um, has good, strong frame. Uh and the other thing people mentions when I say, but well, what does he do as a basketball player? They mention how he's able to put the ball on the floor. But I don't, the thing with Abua to me is that even though he's able to maybe attack a closeout or, or get to the rim in, in that sense, not in any sort of way he's a self creator, but um, even though he can attack closeout, what does he do with his ability to put the ball on the floor in? One archetype that I think is one of the most overrated archetypes in the draft is the quote-unquote big who can handle. Like because generally bigs who can hand bigs who are presented as big who can handle don't really do anything else but handling. Like it's not big who can handle and shoot. It's not big who can handle and pass. It's not big who can handle and finish at the rim. It's just he can dribble the ball. That that's it. I I I don't get it. Like, yeah. So I, I sorry. I I didn't want to be too mean on on Ibua, but that's that's just how I feel. I I don't really think he's an NBA prospect at all. Yeah, I mean, with his physical tools, if if he actually had basketball ability, he would be a, a very highly regarded yes. prospect. Cause, cause his physical tools are really good. Like they, they are, but um, yeah, he just, he has like no, no basketball ability. <laughs> yeah. I, it's not great. So I think that's all of the international guys we have for today. So, I mean, if you guys ready to move on to our catching eye section, just guys who we've watched recently on tape that, that have popped to us, I, I think we're ready to get started there. So, Ignacio, yep. you, uh, you have some guys that you want to talk about? You want to start? Yeah. Um, first off, shout out to a few guys that we didn't get in a get chance to talk about them because we don't want this podcast to run for three hours. Uh, but Euros Trifunovic, uh, six foot six, six foot seven. I I don't really recall the measurements, but he's over six foot six. Um, Secondary initiator, but also lead initiator at times for Partizan and for Serbia. Um, someone who really needs to develop physically, kind of a slight frame, but at that size with that initiation potential and some previous um, uh, streaks of really good shooting, especially playing for Serbia. Uh, someone to keep an eye on, maybe not for this year, but uh, for the next two years. He was born December 2000, so he's still 19 years old, so he's still 
young and I saw that Max posted a few clips uh, on Twitter today about Trifunovic. So I was like really happy that someone else like really thinks Trifunovic is a good player. Um, and then a uh, bit Krajci from Czech Republic playing in Saragossa. Uh, just um, to me, Krajci is enough. The best thing he does is spacing the floor at his size um, and has a really quick first step so he can beat guys um, to the rim and also has some secondary initiation potential. Um, so someone, again, no, I don't think this year, I don't think he's uh, a prospect for, for this year, but someone who can do some initiation and defend wings and space the floor is uh, someone definitely to keep an eye on for the second round uh, in the next maybe one or two years. Yeah, Trifonovic was was pretty impressive. Um, he like need, needs to develop his body for sure. Um, needs to just play less upright. Uh, I mean, not not an explosive player, but uh, I mean his ball handling, his transition passing. Uh, I really his mechanics were nice. Um, he. he I think his effort defensively, again, in spite of his, his of his frame, was impressive. Um, but just a, a guy who who needs to develop a lot physically. But uh, I mean, he's so young. He did he did declare for the draft this year. Uh, I, I don't think he appears on ESPN's board. Uh, I would guess he probably pulls his name by the deadline. Uh, but someone going forward that will be fun to monitor because he was he was pretty impressive. I was definitely impressed by his difficult shot making. I mean, I, I mean, after watching him at Partizan, I mean, basically like Ignacio said, playing with Serbia, he had some really impressive tough shot making on difficult pull-ups and step backs that seemed to be pretty like consistent. And like we said, the mechanics are good. I mean, and yeah, there's just a lot to like as a potential pass dribble shoot guy at six foot six. I'm despite the physical limitations, and and again, not a prospect really for this year. Likely, I'd say probably pulls out, but an interesting player to track going forward. Yeah, so I wanted to add one more guy. This is uh, in the catching eye um, in this, uh, sorry, in this section of Segment. the podcast. Exactly. Um, I wanted to add one more guy, not someone eligible this year, but the guy that I'm most impressed recently uh, that has popped up for me is Matthew Strassel. Um, and if you're doing some uh, scouting for the 2020 draft, uh, you might have actually watched him because he plays with uh, Theo Maledon for Aspel. Um, he's going to be eligible in the 2021 draft. Probably the best point guard, in, best pure primary initiator in that class. Even though Strassel is someone more of a small combo guard, but I do I wanted to bring him up for two reasons. First, his ability to contribute to a Euro Cup team and a French first division team at his age, which to me is impressive. And once Maladon is gone to the NBA, uh, next year his role is probably going to to go up uh and second he looks even more impressive than maladon in some games like i was watching the game from aspel uh versus real madrid um and uh i i wanted to watch theo maladon 
and just I just kept going back to Strassel, like because I I, I thought he was more impressive. Uh, but maybe it's just a night test thing. Um, the size is going to be the limitation for him, for sure. I think he's six feet on the dot. So unless he can maybe grow a couple of inches, it's hard to be as a six feet uh, scoring guard. It's hard to make the NBA. But I do think his passing ability is good enough, at least for uh, a backup role. But someone to, if you're watching Theo Maledon, Try to keep an eye on number 32 uh, because he, he's interesting and he's uh, going to be one of the guys to to really watch for next year. All right, Max, uh, you, you go, um, I can go with mine or you can go with yours. Or... No, I don't I don't have any this week, Ben. Really? Uh, I, just, yeah. I, wasn't sure, I wasn't sure he just didn't put any one. Or no, no, I don't have any. I mean, I, I can I mean, I can do one. I can I can always rag on Sadiq Bay. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, if, we're already going long, so uh, yeah. I mean, mine isn't really a serious one. It's kind of just me wanting to gush about one of my favorite guys. Um, Do it quickly, quickly. You have, uh, you have thirty seconds. <laughs> no, uh, no uh, he, John Elmore deserves all the time in the world. And yeah, I'm talking about John Elmore, who plays now. He plays the Italian league with Trieste. I think I caught him a watching an Ibua game, and. I love John Elmore so much. I miss watching him play at Marshalls so much. He hit like a ton, he hit difficult pull up after difficult pull up. He was like putting guys in jail and and doing like really advanced pick and arm pick and roll manipulation and like like blending floaters into lobs. Um, it, it was beautiful and it made my heart happy. And I would do and I would give everything to the GM that gives John Elmore an MPA contract. <laughs> I, so yeah, I. I, I I do love John Elmore, and that's all I have to say. Um, ben, I I changed my mind. I do have one because you reminded me of one. Uh, Gershon Yabusele yes. uh, <laughs> played played four games for Osbel this year, and I watched one of them, and he had the most hilarious miss dunk that I have seen this year, where he took off about eight feet from the rim and had absolutely no chance. Got hit right in the chest, just walled, and was was about like. <laughs> Four feet short. It was incredible. I spent about 15 minutes laughing at it, um, and it made me very, very happy. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that it was. It was a great episode in former NBA players playing yeah. abroad. I, I love. I love watching uh, a, a team not knowing who I'm gonna find and finding you know former NBA players or finding former uh, fringe draft prospects. I was watching a Spanish uh, league game this this uh, week, and I came across Obradoiro, um, and they have Fletcher McGee and oh, Mike Dom yes. in the same yes, team. Oh my God. I, I tweeted about that when I was watching them because it's incredible that they're on the same team. So that that was like the sure. mid-major uh, slash uh, draft Twitter uh, yeah. sleeper team special. Like I don't think anybody actually liked McGee or Dom as prospects, but oh my god, that would be that's like, hilarious. If you're awesome. if you're nostalgic for like what was 2018, 2019 draft, I, I don't remember which which draft were yeah, they. Yeah, but last if you're nostalgic about the 2019 draft, go watch Obradoiro. Uh <laughs> you're you're gonna have a good time. 
Yeah, you you go you go to Ulm for Killian Hayes and you stay for the Archie Goodwin posters. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so much fun. Like like watching those Euro games. Like besides just good basketball, you never know what you're gonna get with some of these some of these teams and their random former NBA players. Like it's it's really fun. Yeah. So I think that's that's an apt way to end this podcast. Just because uh, we could talk on this forever. Um, yeah. Again, again, big thanks to Ignacio for coming on and sharing some of his insight with us. Uh, it was really fun. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Ireball. I believe it's at E-Y-R-E-B-A-L-L on Twitter, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, he does great work on his own Twitter and with the Stepian, so you can follow him. Uh, follow follow us, the podcast, at um, Prep Number 2 Pro Pod on Twitter. Follow me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore Follow Max at Max Harlan. And yeah, keep leaving those five-star reviews and DM Max and get your synergy pages because they help us a ton. And it's an easy thing for, for people to do. And, and it really does mean a lot to us. And, and we're super appreciative to, to, to everyone who's left them so far. So yeah, this is a fun episode. Any, anything else anybody would like to say before we close? I'm going to add to Max's offer of uh, doing yes. a synergy if you uh, leave a five-star review or already left a five-star review for this podcast, and uh, or if you... Re- I, I'd rather it be a five-star review, so let's do this. If you leave a five-star review I'm go- and you choose an international prospect, I'm going to send you my raw notes for that prospect. So oh, I'm sending one. you my unedited wow. notes. There's going to be typos there. There's gonna be frustration. Uh, I remember. I remember calling a prospect in in a frustrating uh, source of events. I remember writing down that a prospect was a sake from looking motherfucker. So, <laughs> so uh, you're not gonna find the, that prospect because he's a 2004 Italian guy, whatever. But. You're going to find that sort of stuff in my row notes. So leave a five-star review, or if you already left a five-star review and you choose a prospect, I'm going to send you my notes. And if you retweet this and you ask for it, I'm going to send you a picture of my cats because they're cute. <laughs> and uh, people like cat pictures. My cats aren't, are cute for me. are like kids who people think they are cute, but they are ugly for the rest of the world. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Come to this podcast for the international players and stay for pictures of cats and uh, strange NBA prospects. I need, I need to create a bunch of burners so that I can get Ignacio's notes. Okay, that if we ever ask you to come on Preps of Pro, you have to think of a better bribe than that. We have to get better every single time. Oh my god. Okay, I think that's that's more than enough for today. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening again as always we're gonna have like max and i have exciting things planned over the next months um unfortunately won't have the draft like we we were supposed to but uh hopefully prep to pro can fill the void for you guys so i so i'm gonna make an executive decision and we're gonna end this at less than an hour and 45 so have a good day out there stay safe and see you later see ya